Is there an area of your life where you've been wanting to change for some time, but you know self-doubt and sub-level confidence are holding you back? Do you have days when you know there's something you should be doing, but you're stalling as the voice of self-doubt says, I don't know if I'm enough for that. Or maybe there are opportunities that whether they're at work or in your relationships that you know you're missing out on because of your self-doubt and you just can't willpower yourself to take action. On today's podcast, we'll discuss seven ways to overcome the dreaded self-doubt zone. I'll show you how to do this within minutes instead of years. Welcome to Playing Full Out, where you'll discover tips to break through the personal and professional barriers in a hectic world that are preventing you from leading your optimal vision of life at work and home. This is the podcast for passionate life travelers and leaders who want to live a deliberate, confident, and fulfilling life and change the world while they do. I'm your host, Rita Hyland, and in each episode, we'll expose you to something new in the areas of passion, performance, and psychology that you can immediately apply to grow your life, love, and leadership. When I was a kid, I had this idea that at some specific age, and I wasn't quite sure of what it was or time in our adulthood, that we would become wise and Remove from any self-doubt, that there would be a level of achievement or success or some indicator that told me that I had officially arrived there and that I would no more experience those moments of insecurity or lack of confidence and that all would be bliss. This misperception traveled with me for quite a long time. And after many years of doing my own work, as well as working with individuals of all Um, genders, races, socioeconomic levels, and levels of achievement and ages, what I've learned is that self-doubt can travel with you at all times and forever. Now, that might seem like a really daunting thing to hear, but what I learned that is the empowering opposite of it is that it isn't something that we wake up up with this level of self-confidence or self-respect and self-love for ourselves. It's something that we generate. A teacher one time told me that to think of it like uh, an energy plant. An energy plant doesn't have energy. It generates it. And that we don't just have these certain things and that there isn't a certain somebody who has more than you. It's that they're able in their moments when the inevitable self-doubt does arise, that they generate the opposite. They generate confidence. They generate a sense of of, um, an ability to move forward and to progress and to dim, not completely annihilate, the self-doubt that does arise. Because the thing is, is that self-doubt and fear have a purpose, They have a purpose to help us survive. In the ancient times, it would be perhaps to save us from a saber-toothed tiger or a bear. But as of late, there aren't many of those in our neighborhoods. And today, it translates more into a deadline or um, the uh, request, putting ourselves out there in other forms that take us down some rabbit holes and have us holding back because of self-doubt. Now, there's two types of self-doubt that I start to notice. Is like the one is that it's really obtuse. It's right in front of us. It's like, I can't do that. I, oh my, they, we, 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 where we know that we're 
there's something within us that we're just insecure about, that we can't do it. Then there's the other, I call that the overt uh, self-doubt. Then there's the more subtle, the more cunning, unconscious, and unwitting self-doubt that we, we possess that plays havoc perhaps more even at an extreme. They both have their, their, their same results, but when we can't identify that the other one is self-doubt and insecurity, we can't even use the proper prescription. So I'll give you an example. I recently met Caroline in one of my classes, and she was an executive at a high-growth startup. She'd worked there since its inception and helped grow the company to its success today. Before that, she'd worked at two of the most prestigious global consulting companies. And with a degree in statistics and an MBA from a top business school, she is an expert in her field, and she's really esteemed by her colleagues as well. And over our conversation, she explained to me that she was being called to a change that was would move her beyond her 60-plus hour work week. And she'd been doing that for over 25 years. Her oldest of two children was going to go into junior high, and she felt the family needed her more. She said she'd been playing for a while with three ideas for her next step, and she couldn't decide what was best for her. So she was positioned for two different high-paying C-suite positions. Both were really attractive and um, would be a fit for her. And her third option was an idea to start a designer apparel line. And she dipped her toe in that fashion industry over 20 years ago, and she really loved it, but she let it go to build her career in the corporate world. And I began a line of questioning with her to determine what it was that she truly desired. In short time, it was clear that her heart was into going back to the fashion industry and starting her own business around the life that she wanted at home. But as we continued to talk, I could tell something was holding her back. Suddenly, she started talking about how she didn't know if it was smart to let go of the immense earning potential from a CIO position that she'd worked so long to obtain. She talked about the high risk factor for startups and what if she didn't make money in her new venture. She said she knew she was good at numbers, but nobody had ever really called her creative. And she doubted if she had what it would take to be successful. Knowing that what I knew of her history and helping other people's companies succeed, I knew that this wasn't the case. But Caroline was facing that voice of self-doubt that says you're not enough, you'll be disappointed if you don't succeed, you'll be a fool and be embarrassed if your goal doesn't result, that people are going to think you're crazy or weirdo for making a move. So her self-doubt and story ran against her ambitions. And I knew no amount of willpower could redirect a storyline like that, that it would take more. Now, in Caroline's case, it was subtle self-doubt that was in her way. She was not aware it was holding her back, that she was saying that it was more strategic and logistical things that were blocking her. In many other cases, as I mentioned, it can be really overt self-doubt. You flat out know that your insecurity is holding you from saying something to a friend or not making the call to the main contact for new business, or keeping you from transitioning into your ideal career, a myriad of opportunities that we have in a given day. Things can be, um, be we can be held, holding ourselves back from based upon our, our level of, of, of lack of self-confidence or insecurity. So the key is to identify what it is 
for you regardless to call it out. And the fact is, is that self-doubt and insecurity can have really disastrous implications in our lives, for one. But then secondly, they can they can prevent us from making the contributions and the connections, which are two of our highest spiritual needs, and living a more fulfilling life. And while some may suggest that certain groups suffer from it more, I don't believe that self-doubt discriminates. I don't believe that men have it less than women or that the young have it less than the old or... All of these can be stymied and, you know, even flat out stuck because of self-doubt. And, and this is very important in my research and experience, is that there is not a person that I have met who doesn't suffer from falling into what I call this dreaded self-doubt zone, at least at some point or another. The only difference is that some people are able to navigate the zone better and to reduce the lag time between when they enter the zone and when they leave it. And they do that by means of generating their confidence. It's an intentional and very deliberate way of doing it. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to share with you seven strategies that I took from a mastermind that I lead. And I, when I ask them, what are the ways are working together that they found are most successful. And what I've found in my my years of work with people that to um, support them in making a leap or a shift so that they do show up to get their actual results. Um, So the first one is to tame your ego. In my case, It's time your Tasmanian devil. That's what my ego looks like. Something I learned years ago that changed everything for me is that we all have an ego, which leads us into fear-based thinking. It's our inner critic, and it tells us we shouldn't take risks, we shouldn't be ourselves, or show up too bright because we might get hurt. Our ego is designed to help us stay safe from physical harm. I, as I say, have a picture of mine that looks like this Tasmanian devil that I saw from my childhood cartoon. And he sits off to my left and he bounces up and down like a small child to get my attention. And the problem is, is that over time we've given this protector, as he sees it, too much power. And we've allowed our ego to lead our whole life, our choices, our behavior, our actions, And we originally created it to keep us safe physically, as I said, from bears and other animals. And it's a very primal, precautionary part of ourselves. And if we can think of it like that, it's it's moved to protect us from what it sees as 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 physical harm. But what's happened is it's begun to say, I'm going to keep you from emotional hurt as well. And in that way, it's come to help us um, survive. But in it also keeps us from thriving. So it, it doesn't do both. Now, who we really are is our, our true self or our higher self. There are a lot of names for it, but in short, it's who we really are. And that true self has plenty of wisdom and solutions and creativity to share with us if we listen. What's important to realize is that whenever you're in self-doubt, it means that the ego is leading you. It's in charge. It's yapping next to you. And it you have to extract yourself 
from this self-doubt rager. You have to change who is in charge. And I have three steps on the way to do that. The first step is that you have to declare, that's my ego. You have to identify and be aware enough to say, this isn't me. This is my ego that's getting in my way. The second step is to separate from it. I see it. It's, it's, some people will, uh, mine sits in a chair or other people will put, see they're sitting seated in a seatbelt and putting the strap around it. It's to realize that there's a difference. And then the third space, and the third step rather, is to say, ego, sit down, I got this. So if we go through those, again, the first step is to declare it. It means know that you're not your ego. It's not you who's scared, it's your ego who's scared. It's not you who's stuck, it's your ego who's stuck. It's not you who's freaking out, it's your ego that's freaking out. And the important piece is to be aware enough to say that the, that this is, this is my ego or my fear that's stopping me and to identify it. It's, it's really making the, setting in the intention that you don't want your 90% of your life to be made in fear-based decisions and fear-based decisions or self-doubt. Because if that's leading you through your life, you're going to be remaining at the half version of yourself. So declaring this is, this is, this is what's happening here in this moment. The second is to separate for, from it, to acknowledge what your ego is saying, it wants to be heard. You can even say, I hear you, little guy. Remember, you don't have to kill or abolish your ego which is chattering this self-doubt, it doesn't, you know, it, it was here to create, to, to, and you created it to protect you from harm. So it's just simply gotten overinflated with its power. What it's actually supposed to do is, is, is to protect you, again, only from, from physical harm. And the third step is to tell your ego that you've got this under control and take your power back from it. Say out loud, ego, don't worry, we're fine. True self's in charge now. I've got this covered. This this one strategy alone is a game changer. When we are able to be aware enough to see what is happening, to rise above ourselves and to be the objective observer of what's at play and to not continue to buy into that something else is leading me beyond myself, that the self-doubt rager is not the one who's going to choose my next step and know how to separate it and to come back to our own center, aligned with our own self, we can then put your ego or gremlin or, in my case, my Tasmanian devil to sit tight and then make choices. You're not going to – and to realize that the physical – that the emotional harm is trying to protect you from is not going to kill you. Now, strategy two is to get real and imagine the worst – and what is the very worst thing that could happen in those moments that you're doubting your ability? The reality is that our mind is already going there anytime that we're stuck or experiencing self-doubt. So when within seconds, your mind has gone all the way to the bottom of the bottom in terms of the worst case scenario. And the initial thought happens first, and then the corresponding self-doubt fear loop starts repeating in this if-then loop. I might lose my home. They're going to think I'm a weirdo. Then the kids will have to change schools. And I'll, you know, It keeps going down. Then my spouse is going to leave me. So it may look like this. Start first with your fear. If I take on this new adventure or job or project, 
or next level or make this request, ask yourself, then what happens? Then I may get demoted. Then what? I'll lose my chance to get promoted. Then what? I won't make as much money. Then what? Then my kids don't get to go to the schools they want. Then what? They become unhappy losers. Then what? We're all unemployed and I lose our house and we live under a bridge. You can see where I'm going. What is the likelihood of you living under a bridge at this point in time? 99% of our fears never really happen, but they end up controlling our lives when we don't get a hold of them. And when we allow this, our minds, if then loop to make up stories. And we do that in nanoseconds. It spins that. It's like a computer. So get real with your fears and go to the worst thing that can happen and identify the actual likelihood of that becoming true. And then ask yourself if you could deal with it, even if it did happen. So I was working with a, um, a corporate attorney and um, who very successful and been there for many years. At one point was one of the prominent generators for new business, but at this time has really lost his confidence around it, believes and has a a host of of reasons why um, and stories he tells himself. But the biggest thing is that he doubts himself, his ability any longer. So we worked through this. He had to make it to several trips. He knew he could generate a ton of business in Switzerland and with some clients that exist and in London. But he was just terrified of making the request to them to say, hey, I'm coming your way. I'd like to meet with you guys. And I, we, we worked through it. And I, you know, the worst thing that can happen is a no. But going deeper, what is the fear? What is that? that the, and it was that they might think that he, he said in his own words, was a weirdo. That it was crazy for someone to make this trip all this way. And once you, you're able to identify and declare the fear, once he did, he could see that he could deal with the worst reality that they said, no, thank you. And that, then two weeks later, was able to go forward and put out the emails and the, make the to calls to organize the trip in the next three weeks. It can be, and this is something he'd been trying to do for many months. So again, that strategy is get real and imagine the worst. One of my favorite strategies is, um, which is our third strategy, is to help generate confidence is to not do it simply by trying to do it in your chair. I don't believe confidence is generated in your chair. And without trying, so if without trying to convince yourself, you can do it a different way and write down three to five things that at one time you thought were impossible or a struggle that you achieved or that you experienced or made it through. And ask yourself, what qualities did you employ then that you could use again in your current situation or with your current ambition? So for one client who wanted to build a flight app for pilots, he was getting stymied due to his self-doubt and lack of confidence around it. And I asked him to do this, to write down three to five things that one time he thought was just absolutely impossible or at least really, really difficult. And his list was amazing. I mean, he had 10 to 15 things which were remarkable. He'd, he'd come from Argentina and alone, um, had left his parents and learned a second language. He put himself through college. He got his MBA. And he taught himself how to, to not himself how to fly, but he, he overcame some um, other limitations to be able to get himself to become a pilot. 
and he realized he'd done these things and that the things that he had done when lo- when they were looked at were plenty harder than creating this app for the iPhone. So recognize what you've already done and that you found a way and look at what qualities, again, you employed along that path um, to pursue. So the fourth strategy I would share with you is to talk yourself up. And it's in essence, it's having a mantra or some um, self-talk that talks yourself up so that when a defeating thought comes into your mind and that self-doubt looms, you have something to counter balance it and to cancel that thought out. So when I used to have so much self-doubt, I would use I'm safe and all as well because ultimately the self-doubt would start to create a level of anxiety that would get me in a tailspin. And so the reminder was I'm safe and all is well in this moment as we speak here or as we talk as we talk on this podcast to remind ourselves that oftentimes in the moment there is nothing, there's nothing that is painful. There's nothing that's scary. It's when we choose to go way into the past or way into the future that we start to hang on to um, self-defeating thoughts and um, self-talk. So other mantras that people use that have supported them is, I've got this. I've got this. And um, there's a lot of mantra bands even. I've seen those of late that are fun. I have a couple myself. Um, to remind us, because there are, I don't know what, the, I forget the number of how many negative thoughts come through us on a given day, something like 17,000 negative self-talk, negative self-talk thoughts come through the average person a day, and that how many thoughts does it take to counteract those? So we have to be consciously choosing to put to create the universities in our car of listening to the tapes or listening or, or building that conversation up with ourselves, putting ourselves in front of those types of people. So remember, you've got this and cancel out the thoughts to redirect your focus. The fifth strategy to generating more confidence and overcoming self-doubt is to take a leap. Take action. However small it might be, This is to prove your head wrong. It's to challenge the existing neuropathway and to rewrite and begin to scratch the record to, again, generate confidence, not in the chair, but in your head, but in in, in actuality, that that thing that I'm doubting is figureoutable or is overcomable. (laughs) Both of those made up, of course. And one of the best questions that to take in that moment is that if I knew for a fact that I could do this or write for this, you know, make this call, if I knew for a fact this would work out, what action would I take? It asks a bigger and better question and it leads you to that right action step that you, for you to jump on. So if you're unsure of what the next step is, is that if I knew for a fact that I could make that appointment with the, the new um, client, what would I do? And be curious and also, of course, take that step. The sixth strategy is to do it for you. So often we fall into the self-doubt zone because we make other people 
our reasons for doing something or not doing something. We don't write an article because someone might not like it. We don't speak up in a meeting because our idea may not be supported. We may not give that extra smile or eye contact because it might not be appreciated. What we're really doing in these moments is we're attempting to manipulate others into liking us. And the problem is it's an exercise in futility. We can't control others' feelings and emotions and we're never going to come up with the formula to get everybody to like us. It's, it's time to give that one up. I found that one of the best ways to counteract this self-doubt trap when you get paralyzed from taking action is to simply do it for you, not for anyone else. Write for you. Create a book club for you. Choose your next career for you. Decide if you're going to the concert for you. Others will be affected, but when you begin by following your own internal GPS and inspiration and when you let go of attachment to their response, something funny happens. A flow of energy and inspiration and creativity rises up. And the action becomes easier and the solutions to challenges that we previously deemed impossible seem to just drop from the sky. And this happened for someone I was talking to this week who really gives himself very little um, opportunity for self-care. It's, it's others are leading him despite his, how he leads in his corporate world. He does not in his, pers- in his professional world. He doesn't do this in his personal world. And he's lost touch with himself and lost fulfillment and lost passion. And one of the things that he loves to do is see, um, is see concerts. But he thinks his wife, he, he thinks it's strange if he would go alone and his, the person who he bought the ticket with could no longer go. And so it, he decided, you know, we talked about it and he used the strategy of self-doubt because he was doing it for what, based upon what others would think, is he did it for himself. He did, he did it for you strategy. And he had an absolute ball and you could feel the shift in his recognition that these things were possible with a, with and, and game changers with this, this slight tweak. So the next time that you find your self-doubt is holding you back, just take the next step for you without any concern of another's opinion about it and then see what happens. The results might really astound you. The bottom line is if you're stuck, it's likely that you're already, you've already entered into that self-doubt zone. This, this, this one that I call about do it for you, and I'm just going to go on a little bit more about it, is to, t- is to really realize that it's, what's happening is that we're giving our power away. And this is so important to, to recognize that ultimately our reason for lacking self-doubt is our fear that we won't be loved or seen in a certain light. So the ultimate job is to take back our power. To me, that means giving people permission to feel what they want to feel about you. I see it, um, my visual is always two plates of food. And um, the other person has a plate of food and I have a plate of food. And to separate on the dining table and push their plate back to them and what's about their business and take my plate back, as opposed to bringing both the plates together and souping it all together, all the spaghetti, knotting it all together. It's like, have at it, feel as you wish about me, because I can't ultimately control your 40 or 50 years of, how, of influence of if I trigger you in some way. When we take our power back and do it for ourselves and let go of needing to, atti- to manipulate 
we come back into like all types of ideas and creativity. As I said, it's, it's, if, if you think about it, if, if you're in their business and they're in their business, who's in your business? So bring, come on back into and, and manage your, your, your business. I recall long ago telling a family member in a very loving way that who didn't, didn't agree with some way I was managing my child, whether I was taking her to the doctor or not, and the way it was being done. And my husband was upset that she was upset that was, she didn't care the way I was doing it. And I was like, I, and I said, I don't, I'm, I'm unattached. I'm not going to try to manipulate the way you want me to do this or how, like, have at it. If you like, if you, if you like me, great. And if you don't, I'm okay with that too. And I recall that being one of the most liberating moments for me. It wasn't from a mean, like, I don't give a darn what you think, but it was from a place of, I give up, I surrender that. And when you begin to surrender, being attached to what others think, and it's a process. This it's a gen, you you generate it as I said day by day. What happens is you suddenly have all of that power is restored to you to create very different experience. Now the final and seventh strategy has to do with managing your state, because when we're in self doubt, we your brain is being sent a signal to the hypothalamus gland, which sets in motion a whole physical reaction known as fight or flight. And your adrenal glands start pumping out stress hormones and your heart starts beating faster and your blood pressure goes up and you breathe more rapidly and a whole bunch of other things, you know, start happening. The crisis can pass by choosing a different physiological response. And my favorite one, which you can overcome self-doubt in one minute is the breath- a breathing exercise. And it's four, seven, eight. It is known for and has been championed by um, Dr. Weil and has been known for um, being able to put people to sleep within a minute as well as to simply almost put them in a meditative state to calm themselves. So this is how it looks, is you inhale for four seconds You hold it for seven, and you exhale for eight. And with the, 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 there's a whole circuit of how this slows down everything within your body. So if you are in a moment before a meeting or before you're about to make a, a, a big call or something that puts you into this zone where you are not taking action, to what you know you are being beckoned and called for on a very soul-based, spiritual, or um, just, you know, very necessary level is to use this way of generating more confidence and overcoming self-doubt by simply shifting your physiological fight-or-flight response. Any one of these seven strategies can put you on an entirely different trajectory. If you think of a golf ball or a golfer who's striking a golf ball, when he is sends it off and it goes into a sand trap, and, and the next time he shifts, he can change his, his grip ever so slightly, 
or make uh, move his hips ever so um, nimbly or, or in a sm- small amount, and that the ball can have an entirely new trajectory. This is the same thing. Very small action can habituate a new reality. So taking one of these seven strategies and applying them to yourself this week, when inevitably self-doubt will rise or come into play, that you become someone who navigates and who reduces the lag time between when it strikes and that and 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 when you make a new choice. Know this that again, everybody has self-doubt. It is not the first primal response, but the second space of the re, what how are you going to who to respond rather than how are you going to react? What is your second thought? How are you going to generate? another level and um, take yourself into an entirely new direction. Don't judge yourself that you have the feeling and that it exists. Never need to kill it. The bottom line is that if you're stuck, you can use any one of these strategies as an escape hatch and they will help you bypass that dreaded self-doubt zone and generate the confidence to move forward and progress. The world needs you at your brightest, fullest version of you. Have a tremendous and wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in to Playing Full Out. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes for more tips, tools, and inspiration to leading the optimal vision of your life, love, and leadership. And remember, a half version of you is not enough. The world needs the fullest version of you at play.